I'm Marcus Smith, and this is Constant Wonder. This month, as Christmas draws near, join me on a journey called Advent. Constant Wonder will mark this venerable tradition, a calendar of hopeful anticipation, with daily short episodes, a new Advent experience every day, all the way through the 25th. Together with special guests, we'll seek out the wonder and awe felt by so many people during this season of hope, reverence, peace, and goodwill. It's December 1st. We're going to start off our Advent series with a nature writer who for much of her youth and early adulthood thought that she was, quite possibly, the only one who didn't like the month of December. Michigan looks like a mitten, and I grew up at the tip of the mitten. November looks like ash. It's gray and heavy and cold. And I remember from being a child of even 10 or 11, beginning to feel the way the earth was pulling into itself, and I would begin to feel weighted as well. You're hearing the voice of Gail Boss, a poet, essayist, and naturalist. She's author of All Creation Waits, The Advent Mystery of New Beginnings. For many years, Gail Boss has practiced what most would consider to be a highly untraditional approach to the month of December, to Advent, an approach that originally was shaped by her deep discontent with Christmas cheer. I didn't say anything about it. I think in my family of origin, had I said something about how I was feeling weighted and sad, I would have been told something like, buck up, go do something productive. But it was made more confusing to me because all around me were these myriad voices singing, oh, it's the most wonderful time. The holiday songs were beginning in November. Gail isn't the Grinch, she's not Scrooge, but to her, something about the holiday season just seemed off. So I was confused when I was feeling this weight that then became, because it wasn't acknowledged, a kind of sadness and depression every year from late November into December. That stayed with me through my childhood, teens, into my 20s, and then In my mid to late 20s, I was doing research for another writing project, and I was reading a rather dry tome on the history of Christian liturgy. And I read just a few paragraphs in that very dusty book that worked like the little cylinders of a lock. They lined up, and I can still remember that click when the internal lock popped open And I understood why I had felt that weight and that depression and that it didn't need to be that way. I learned that in the history of Christian liturgy, Advent was treated as a kind of waiting time, a time of preparation for the great feast of Christmas. And that at its best, at its earliest, that is, Advent followed the cycles of the earth. It was Christian tradition in step with the earth. 
so that just in the way the earth was paring down, the leaves were dropping, plants were stopping their growing juices, animals were huddling and going underground, just in the way that the earth and its creatures were stripping down, the Christian church urged believers, the faithful, to also strip down their lives, to go quiet. Three disciplines that they encouraged people to take up during the four weeks preceding Christmas were to fast rather than feasting, to pray, to go silent rather than all the robust socializing, and instead of gathering lots of clutter into our lives, to give it away, especially to the poor. And it was so radically opposite it took my brother away. Yeah, I, I just had to say, you. this must have struck you as absolutely antithetical to the culture around you. Well, is it, it was and is. It was and is. I later learned that there was another deeper reason that the church was encouraging that, and that was because Christmas wasn't celebrated, you know, until about 330 AD, and then it was a kind of appropriation and remaking of the great raucous debaucheries called Saturnalia. And the church wanted to counteract all the frenzied activity of Saturnalia by saying, no, we're waiting for the true light. And in order to wait for the true light, we have to acknowledge that we sit in darkness, friends. That the world is not the peaceable kingdom, the reign of shalom that we want it to be. We have to acknowledge that in order then to be prepared for the coming of the great light. So it was an acknowledgement of darkness, and it was accomplished by asking the faithful to do what the natural world was doing, to strip down just to the essentials, because when we get to the essentials, we know what really matters. And as you read these things, it all resonated with you in terms of what you have already described to us about your personal temperament during these winter months. Exactly. I learned that I wasn't crazy for feeling so weighted because I didn't feel like it was the most wonderful time of the year. I learned that I was, in fact, sane because I was... Somewhere in my body, I was in tune with the natural rhythms of the earth, no matter how much I was encouraged to deny it, no matter how much I did deny it, and I did. That somewhere in me, I was in tune with those natural rhythms. So I seized upon it. I said to my husband, we are going to practice a traditional Advent. So we got rid of all Christmas decorations, no lights. All we had was a traditional four-candle Advent wreath, which we lit each evening after supper and where we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. As you stripped back, as you pared down on the trappings of Christmas that other people in the culture were familiar with, did you ever get any accusations that you were going all grinchy? Uh, we got some very startled responses. People would say, why is your house so unchristmassy? But I'll tell you when it got really fierce, and that was once we had a child. And we were determined to raise a child in this kind of true, biologically 
historically rooted Advent, they thought we were certainly depriving this little boy of something essential to his upbringing, which was all the the glitter and glitz and stuff of the four weeks preceding Christmas. Yeah, it got pretty fierce at times. But we were determined to raise Kai in that way. Mm -hmm. So with the fasting and with the darkness and with the attenuation of life processes as all the animals are getting prepared for either hibernation or a a season of almost stasis, it's all coming to a close. There's a big sense of loss in there and you feel that that's part of what a person should experience during the Advent season or should at least pay attention to? Absolutely. Yeah. It's so real. If we don't pay attention to it, if we stuff it down, uh, it'll make us sick. It makes many people sick this time of year. How does a healthy soul respond to this encroaching darkness? (laughs) Well, the book, All Creation Waits, offers 24 portraits of 24 different common woodland animals, common where I live. And there are, therefore, 24 different ways to respond to encroaching darkness. I think that's the beauty of the natural world. There's not one formula. There's not one way. You're going to hear this idea repeated in this series about Advent. There's not just one way to celebrate it. Many of our guests are given to grand celebration. Others, like Gail, prefer quiet reflection. In fact, Gail Boss's book about Advent, All Creation Waits, demonstrates a multiplicity of different approaches among the animals. We get to see the season of waning light through the eyes of two dozen different creatures. One of these is the painted turtle, which we'll wonder about in exquisite detail with Gail in a few days. But right alongside the painted turtle, another of her favorites, the fox squirrel, also has insights to offer. The painted turtle buries herself in the mud and goes as good as dead for six months. But the fox squirrel is just as active every day during the daylight hours in December as he is in August. The key there is that he has many fewer hours because he depends on daylight many fewer hours to be so active. So he too is waiting in a particular way, spending a lot more time up in his dray and the trees rocking in the wind. The fox squirrel also offers us that beautiful symbol, that beautiful way of relying on his memory. Where is that red oak acorn that I buried that is such a high energy source for me? And we too can, in the encroaching darkness, rely on those nuggets of memory that feed us and nourish our souls when the dark comes in. You talk about memory, and I want to tap into one memory of yours with your son, with your children, I I guess, actually. Uh, It has to do with the Advent calendar that was made in your family, and it did involve these animals, uh, and uh, was the turtle the first, for, for December 1st, was that the first animal? Yes. I began to make the advent calendar uh, once we'd had a son, and I was aware that for a little boy that we needed to have something more than dark and silence during advent. We needed some more vivid way to involve him in the waiting of advent and its connections to what the natural world is doing. So I decided I would get an advent calendar, but when I looked for advent calendars, 
all of them were really Christmas calendars because they had pictures behind the little doors of the cast of the nativity or candy canes and gift packages. They were all about Christmas. They weren't about what I knew was the heart of Advent, which is waiting in the dark for a new light to dawn. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to make my own Advent calendar. What do I put behind those little doors? And just providentially, days before I began to make that Advent calendar, my son's godmother and my best friend sent me her reflection on Painted Turtle as an apt symbol for what the soul might do when it is pressed in by a dark time. It, like Painted Turtle, might just have to bury itself and go down very deep and lie very still for a while and disappear from the view of the world. That might be a way to return healthy. And I thought, what a perfect way to talk about the season of waiting as healthful. I also drew a turtle on the advent calendar because my little boy, like almost all children, loved pictures of animals. Then once I put the turtle on the calendar, a bunch of animals started queuing up, wanting to be included. A deer, a snake, a crow, a goose, a doe. Lots of them started to queue up. And I discovered how wise they are in this season. You say that as you were making your Advent calendar, you were looking for daily miniatures that were less about Christ's human birth and more about the need for that birth. Yes. One of the things that disturbs me about, quote-unquote, the holiday season is that it tries to pave over or tamp down the sense that the natural world is experiencing loss. It doesn't allow us to acknowledge that we have come to the end of a growing cycle and that there is in our bodies a real visceral sense of loss. I really think that the biological historical advent allows us to acknowledge that we have come to the end of something here. We have come to the end of another cycle of growth and that maybe it didn't give us everything we had hoped it would give us. And so we are waiting. We are a needy people, which then heightens the sense of anticipation for the birth of the one who does bring us what we really need, the true life that we're really all longing for, and that can't be supplied by all of the glitter and stuff of a traditional modern American Christmas. Could you just, in conclusion, tell us what is all creation waiting for? That's really encapsulated in the last portrait in the book where I talk about Jesus, the Christ. I think the animals are waiting for human beings who understand that we, human beings, are intimately connected with them, with the animals, that we're all one family, and that our lives depend upon one another. And because then we'll truly care compassionately for the whole earth, including their homes, which is our only home. Having gone into that sadness, into that loss, into that season of deprivation and fasting, coming out into the light. How does that work for you from year to year? 
We keep a quiet Advent until Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Eve, the vigil of the great light coming into the world, the true light coming into the world, then we break out all of the decorations and the lights. We decorate the tree. We have a great party. We go to church. We come home and we celebrate. And then we celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. So that's when all of our celebrating and feasting and gift-giving happens is during the 12 days of Christmas. Our guest has been Gail Boss. She's author of All Creation Waits, The Advent Mystery of New Beginnings. We'll be hearing more from Gail as the series continues. Please join with us again tomorrow for a story about a fearful but trusting cat named Francis. Francis has a relationship with humans that actually mirrors something quite significant about the human relationship to God. I'm Marcus Smith. Today's Advent episode was produced by Eric Schultzka with help from Lily Jensen and sound designed by James Call. Constant Wonder is a production of BYU Radio.